Welcome to the Love Your Life Podcast. My name is Stephanie. I'm a health and life coach, fitness enthusiast, entrepreneur, and a triathlete's wife. I am here to share my tips to help you create harmony on all aspects of your life, health, career, spirituality, relationships, and personal development. Every week, you will be inspired to create a life you love and deserve. Don't forget to like, comment, and follow our sponsor, Scribed. Unlimited audio and ebooks for $8.99 a month. Use the link in the show notes to sign up. Scribed. Unlimited audio and ebooks for $8.99 a month. Hey, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on to my show today. It's always a pleasure having a conversation with you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Awesome. So tell me a little bit. I know know you through HCI, uh, and we both went through the Health Coach Institute together. So tell me a little bit about your life prior to getting into this field. Well, for most of my career, I was a social worker and I worked with mostly with foster and adoptive families. Mm. And um, so I've also always sort of been in a helping profession and um, in many ways as I looked on it and after being trained, I realized that I pretty much was coaching all along, you know, coaching kids and families through that process. Um, But I had gone through various stages of my life where I either was dealing with eating disorders or just then as I aged, my body changing a lot. And so the nutrition and fitness and health part of things came to the forefront and became much more of a passion. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this is perfect to combine sort of this love of, you know, helping people reach their potential and my discoveries of health and wellness. Yeah. So, so you touched base a little bit about um, eating disorders. Uh, Do you mind kind of diving a little bit deeper into the type of eating disorders that you dealt with? I know I have my own struggles as a teen dealing with eating disorders too. Yep. Yeah. I, I would say when my body started changing as a teenager and hormones kicked in, as I look back on it, I'm sure there was a lot of cravings going on that I didn't understand. Um, And then also because of it being a very emotional time, that would have been another issue. And I guess the third part of it is my body changing and not having a good, you know, body image and things like that. So I started doing a lot of restrictive dieting. I I always say I tried all the eating disorders. Um, I, at first I tried a lot of that. I took diet pills, um, just a lot of restrict restriction. And then I started hearing of friends of mine that were purging, that were binging and purging. And I could not make myself purge. So I actually was jealous of them because I thought they were braver than I was. And I just did a lot of just crazy trying to restrict for as long as I could. And then, you know, binge, And that sort of turned into, in college, um, exercise bulimia, which didn't have a name back then. And I didn't know I was doing anything. I just thought it was an ingenious way of getting the the food off out of me. Um, So yeah, so that turned into exercise bulimia. And um, 
it, it's the strangest thing. When I got out of college, I saw a TV movie about a bulimic woman just doing, she was a regular bulimic. And it was just like one of these insightful aha moments where I realized I actually wasn't trying to diet and I wasn't getting rid of, you know, food a smart way by exercising like crazy or binging, but that I actually had a disorder. And, um, you know, it was, it was a series of, of time of just learning how to eat normally again. And that lasted for like from a, probably about 22 until I was 40 and my body was changing. Mm. And then it turned to, into that whole different phase. Yeah, that's very interesting. Very similar um, backgrounds as far as how okay. I dealt with. Um, so I ended up going with, I actually, mine was funny. I remember in um, freshman year in high school going to a health class and they were talking about eating disorders. And I was like, I like food too much. I yeah. And I always tell people, I never say never because like about a year later, my sophomore year, um, really strongly from sophomore to senior year, dealt with, like you said, a variety of different things. It's always one thing kind of leads to the other. So it was restrictive dieting. Um, my mom was doing at the time, this is a huge age difference between my mom and I. And so she was going through a lot of the diet pill phases. So I was mm -hmm. uh, like a federal was readily available on my shelves and I remember yep. seeing things like taking out the she had giggle biloba and it looked just like the diet pills <laughs> so I would take the diet pills and like fill it up with the ginkgo and mm. she's like I don't wonder why I'm not losing weight I'm shedding weight like crazy. isn't that something and was, you know, making your heart rate increase and yes. caffeine addictions and all this stuff mm -hmm. and then that led to anorexia which of course mm -hmm. then leads to like another eating disorder bulimia mm -hmm. um, but at the same way I couldn't purge so I was the bulimic that would eat and eat because um, I, did, I had tired people asking me like why I wasn't eating. So I would eat and then I would, um, one thing was I would spit it out. Like I would eat and chew something, yeah. spit it out, eat it and spit it out and try to hide it in napkins. Mm -hmm. Or I would take laxatives a lot. I eat. did that too. I forgot to mention that. Yep. Yeah. And so that was, you know, very, and then exercise became the other thing where I remember going to, this was later on in life. Um, it, I did a lot of exercise over exercising too, when I was anorexic, like eating less than a thousand calories and burning way more than that mm -hmm. in a day. Um, but then as time went on, I started replacing, you know, I was eating more food because people kept asking why you weren't eating anything. So I can consume more food, but I over exercise just like you were talking about. So exercise, um, bulimia and anorexia and i remember going to a yoga teacher training and the lady who was hosting it she um pretty much was like if you're dealing with any kind of addictions you know run across this field and she had us blindfolded and i just stood there because i was like oh i'm fine i, I cured myself i'm right we're fine and she whispered in my ear she was like you need to be running your butt across that field <laughs> as fast as possible and i'm like i'm fine and she was like you over exercise that's an addiction and I'm sitting nothing like that's nothing wrong. Like, I mean, I don't restrict myself from eating any longer. And she's like, you have a problem. You never felt, you never dealt with it. You need to deal with it. So mm -hmm. it's very, I, and I love the fact that it's starting to become more aware that there's so many different eating disorders. I mean, there's even, you know, overeating and, and self-soothing in those kind of ways. And so that's, that's really kind of what you specialize in, right? Debbie is, is helping people with, um, with yes. eating and everything. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your yep. practice. and. Um, no, you're definitely passionate when it comes to helping people like I am. So tell me a little bit more of, of what you specialize in. The two areas I, I have, it's sort of settled into is um, 
women over 40 who have been on all the diets and have been yo-yo dieting um, and that they are emotional eaters um, slash binge eaters. So, yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's unfortunately a lot of people because we've all have tried so many of the diet um, phases like, Oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Just the other day I was out with one of my friends and she's like, so what is so-and-so doing? Cause her abs look absolutely amazing. And I'm like, you don't want to be on that diet. <laughs> and she's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, you don't yeah. want to be on that diet. <laughs> like, that is not I a fun know. diet. You do not want to be on that diet. She's like, well, I want the abs. <laughs> so everyone wants something and they try it and then they fall off because yep. it's not, as you and I both know, it's not a one size um, fits all. So how do you, how do you tell that to your clients um, when they come to you and they say, I'm frustrated. I've tried umpteenth amount of things. I've tried the medical weight loss. I've tried, you know, all of these different pills. I've tried the wraps. I've tried exercising <laughs> plans. I bought, I bought a slew. I spent thousands of dollars on, on all this stuff and nothing seems to happen. Yep. How, do you, how do you help them with that? Um, what, what is the first conversation that you kind of have with them in regards to that? Ooh, that's a very good question. I would say, and I'm sure you get the same thing, that there is, for the most part, a belief that this is just the next thing they're going to try, um, that they've, they don't know that it's going to be different, but they're so at the end of their rope mm -hmm. that um, it's like, all right, I haven't tried this yet. I'm going to try coaching. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, that's sort of what it is. And because as you know, from us going to the same health coaching school, this is not like all of the other ones. And, um, so, you know, I, it takes them a long time <laughs> to really believe and internalize that this is not about dieting anymore, um, that it is about lifestyle, that it's about mindset and mindfulness and, um, really finally being their own authority over their own body and their own hunger and their own fullness and um, pausing to um, take care of themselves rather than self-medicate. And so, as you know, that's a long process. And it they is. don't, yep. Because they just want a diet plan. I mean, yeah. I, I get it all the time. Like, okay, so what's my plan? Yep. And I'm like, okay, so, and I always say, I give them what they want, but I also give them what they need. They yes. want the diet plan. And so, and that's the reason why I went back for the health coach is because I had the nutrition background, but I realized it wasn't that it was something that was very much lacking was why is there not the follow through? They, they have all the tools to succeed. Yes. And yet they don't follow through on it. And it's a lot of it is that mental barrier. And it, it's kind of funny because when I talk to people and I ask them about like, what's your stress life? Have you done self-care? Or, or I tell them the complete opposite to do than what most, most plans would be like, hey, take the day off. Like take this next week off and not do anything. And like, no, I can't do that. I'm like, right. You need to. <laughs> yep. So they look at me like I'm absolutely crazy. Like I want a refund. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I tell them not to weigh themselves and they can't, you know, and so it, it, it's very much baby steps. They, yes. It's very hard. There, What you just said, the word fear came to my mind. There is so much fear and so much fear-based 
um, you know, underneath beliefs about either they're, first of all, they're afraid of food. They're afraid of weight. They're afraid of, you know, doing something wrong on the plan. There's just so much fear. So, um, you know, they don't believe that at first and can't understand. And I, I, I totally understand why they can't understand, um, that it's, it's, an inside out change. It's not about, you know, me handing you the, the food or the, like you were saying, or even the exercise and saying, go do it because that's still giving the power outside of you to this plan. And unless I follow a plan, I'm helpless and I don't know what else to do. Um, whereas when they take this step by step and learn how to put the power back in themselves, and listening to themselves and listening to their bodies, they'll know what to eat. They'll be able to, to choose then the rest of their lives, even when we're not around anymore. And that's what I love what you said. The two things, definitely taking back your own power and having that ownership into it. Because at the end of the day, we seek answers, as you said, outside all the time where we don't really listen into ourselves. And a lot of times your body will tell you what it is. Like, yes. We'll have a strong craving like, hey, I'm craving X, Y, and Z, and you're not giving it to me. And instead of listening to what it is, we're now going and doing a behavior that is detrimental to ourselves um, or trying. I get a lot of times where, hey, you, you need to rest. Like your body is telling you to, you need to rest. You have a lot of things on your plate. You have a lot of stresses going on, a lot of family things, a lot of work things. I mean, your stress level is up to 10. And then you're going to put exercise on top of that. Well, I have to. And I'm like, oh. Okay, and then they get sick and, and or injured. Yep. Your body will give you the initial signal of sickness and then it goes into injury. And then they I come back, I'm like, and if you just took the break when I mentioned to take the break because apparently you weren't listening to your body what I was. You know, yep. you actually not had that problem in the mm -hmm. long run. And your body comes out screaming and hollering and saying, Hey, enough is enough is enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I love it. That's the one thing I definitely love about coaching is getting back into giving them back their power and, and putting the pause for a moment and letting them say, it's now time for me to actually listen to what it is that I want. And, and yeah. the, the questions it's, we don't give out answers at the end of the day. Like how many times do you actually give out answers versus just pose a question and they come up with their own answer. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely love that. So um, now what is the next phase of your business? Like, what do you see yourself going in the next year in, in 2020? Like 2020 is a big year. Everyone's like 2020. Is such a big I know. Year. <laughs> Seems like it should be. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to have some retreats. That's one thing. Awesome. Um, I, I mean, I know I want to have, I'm planning for this fall, actually, a weekend retreat, but I, that's, nice. a, that's sort of go away to the mountains in the fall when the mountains are all pretty in mm. Pennsylvania. But then I also want to do more of a local thing, um, maybe for a ladies day out, like on a Saturday um, with some, just let them recharge and, you know reground and reconnect with their own selves and start that listening process a little bit through maybe some yoga and some, you know, maybe some kind of like talk and, and journaling and things like that. And maybe a little wine. Um, <laughs> so I, I, cause I, I went and I was a vendor at an event like that locally. Um, it was sponsored by a chiropractor. So they did it a little bit different, but it gave me this idea. 
But anyhow, that those are a couple things. And I think I do want to do some kind of like online course kind of thing. That's a group, more of a group coaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are all, those are all definitely fun. Um, the course creation process is, uh, is daunting, but it's, it's definitely um, a fun one to do once you have it up and going and then you can be able to um, really give that to, to your people and be able to implement that. And the retreats are fun. I'm trying, I've been trying to do retreats. I did one in the April, um, a small one out of the country. And in this one in oh. September is locally. So I'm okay. fill that one up. But um, I'm always, that's always been a, a passion of mine. I like traveling. So I love yeah. to be able to bring people there and then just sometimes getting away. Yes. Um, it's very, it's very nice just to, Hey, Remind yourself, like, even if it's just for three days or an hour, like six hours. <laughs> yes. You got you to gotta sometimes get away for sure. for sure. So what is a piece of advice that you would give someone who is considering changing the careers like you did and pursue their passion? Mm. Now, that's always something that people have. Um, they're like, oh, they, you know, they, they have these ideas. I had a conversation with one of my friends yesterday. And I'm like, what is it that you like to do? She's like, I just don't want to work a nine to five. I'm like, okay, but what do you really want to do? I mean, because I don't think anyone wants to work a nine to five. I know. <laughs> that question. But how can you, how can you make that into a possibility and into a career, a career where you can still, you know, supplement your, your income and still have passion doing it? So what would you, what was a piece of advice or some pieces of advice that you would give someone who's thinking about changing their career but they're not quite sure like what to do. They're too fearful, as you just mm -hmm. talked about, that fear kind of mm -hmm. comes in. It's always with the fear. Um, the first thing that came to me, which is so similar again to, to health coaching, is baby steps. Things don't have to be, you know, one day you quit everything and you start something completely different. And unless it's perfect and unless you're doing it 100% or 100% of the time, it, it's not real that um, we don't have to do that so you know for example um, even now I have two jobs so mm -hmm. I'm not coaching full-time so yeah it, dabbling in it um, I know that some of the advice that I had gotten at first too is finding ways to to even like I'm trying to think like get involved in it without even incurring any of the, the expenses so for example if you, you know if you're interested in in crafting or coaching or I'm trying to think of some of the other examples um, catering anything like that you can either help someone else who's already maybe doing it or um, you know go take a, a small like a, a local workshop or things like that I'm just trying to think of examples yeah. of baby steps um, and see really how much you do like it and um, before because like for the whole health coaching certification, that's expensive. So I really wanted, personally, I really wanted to be sure I wanted to do this before I um, went to, you know, that step of thing. Yes. So, um, you know, people want to get uncertain and regular income and start something of their own. That is a big leap, but you don't have to take it all at one time. There's a lot of little steps you can take in between. I like the advice, and I've heard that advice too, where um, to 
do it without having to put, to put, put a whole bunch of income into it or like a lot of your yes. own stuff. I remember, I think I was listening to an audio book about how to become a millionaire or something. And this guy had said that he was thinking about opening up a bakery. And instead of just going, he's like, yeah, I had the financial means to do all of this, but he actually decided to work at the bakery part-time and mm -hmm. started at the very lowest position working. Um, I think he was just kind of cleaning up and stuff like kind of like the janitor there and he slowly started oh. to work his way up to manager and realized that because uh, he wanted to, to experience all the aspects of running a bakery and um, know all the roles and he's like I really don't feel like doing it so he walked out he's like yeah I got paid you know mm -hmm. to do it but it was a really great experience for me because if I wanted to open a bakery I knew how to do it yep but I realized it wasn't the thing I really wanted to yes do. and I was able to go out there without having to worry about spinning all this money on yep. opening up a shop or all this money on, on, you know, a business degree or anything else like that. Like I got those hands on experiences. Yep. And then again, being able, you don't have to just all of a sudden create like this stellar product that's going to like take mm -hmm. off and create a website overnight and have Instagram following and have all these things like Oprah on the, her favorite things list. Right. I mean, those are all grand things, but it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it starts with something that you starts make somewhere. in yep. the kitchen. And then you yep. sell it to your friends. And then you go to, you know, you make enough of that that you can be able to afford a vendoring booth like you were talking yep. about that you did before. And you slowly start to increase mm -hmm. it. I mean, the, the people that gets onto the Sephora or any of the shops that you see, they didn't just wake up one day and quit their nope. job. Like, we're going to make it big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I definitely, I definitely love that. And were you, did you find that going through this process that you, of course, you always kind of come up with some opposition? Did you find that having some support was very helpful as you were making this transition? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, do you want me to talk about both sides of it though? Yes. I mean, I yeah, I think I definitely, I'm married and, and not only for the expense of it, the investment, um, but just the impact, I guess, on our lives. I, I did um, talk to my husband about it, and um, you know, his support is very important and helpful and everything. But it's also it it does impact him in ways that um, you know, because I do have my other job, it impacts him, and he doesn't always like it um, that I'm so busy now that I had all this free time before. And now I'm, you know, writing a blog post or tweaking the website or talking to, you know, another client or whatever. So yeah, you, you know, you, it is something to work through for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, I feel the same way too. Miles was like, I barely ever see you, but mm -hmm. having that support allowed me to go from it being a part-time job to being more of a full-time thing. And now my schedule is very full. So let me ask you this question. Uh, with your full schedule and everything that you are doing between your two jobs and then also not only taking care of your clients um, and your household stuff, but also doing all your social media stuff, how do you find <laughs> time for yourself to relax? Because yeah. we talk about that. We tell our clients that all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's, sometimes it's hard to to implement it ourselves. It's like, it's great to give out the advice, but it's like, I got to take my own advice. Now. Yeah. 
Well, I can tell you that um, I have, I, I, you, you will know this because of the program we went through, but you know, the anchors, Yes. Um, I have my own anchors and one of them helps me remember that I need to practice what I preach. And so, you know, obviously whether it's rest or even my own um, food intake or anything that I'm preaching, um, sometimes we don't realize when we're starting to veer off too far, you know, so maybe I am stretching myself too thin. It's not like the first time I do it, I realize, oops, I'm stretching my, you know, it. all of a sudden, you know, you start to realize you are exhausted or impatient or, um, you know, stress, you know, very nervous or anxious. And then, you know, I, I have to stop and ask myself why I'm feeling that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, that is a process too. And what I have done, I've done a couple things. The first thing that came to me when you said that is I had heard from other entrepreneurs that I listened to or business classes that I took um, or just things in general online, block scheduling. Um, like that, that really saved me because I felt like my brain was in a million fragments all the time, like trying to just do you know, well, 10 minutes, I'll do this. And, you know, then another hour, I'll do that. And then five more minutes, I'll try to throw that. It was too much of my brain shifting back and forth from one thing to the next. And it really contributed to just feeling so, you know, frazzled. Um, so I really had to force myself because I tend to have ADH, ADD, um, you know, help me. And um, I, have, I have started doing that and it really, really has helped. Um, so yeah, I don't feel as frazzled. The other thing is, is sleep. Um, as you know, that has, that's very important. So, um, you know, there are times where I, I, as I talked about, like teaching my clients to become mindful and to step back and pause and ask myself and ask my body what it needs. You know, there are times where I think I want to stay up late and do a little bit more work, or I want to get up at 4.30 and go work out. And I have to pause and I have to ask myself, you know, out of the job, sleep, or exercise and sleep, which one does your body really, really need? Or, you know, which one do you really need? And I have to be, um, not to try to get out of anything, not to procrastinate working out or not to procrastinate doing anything for my business. But if honestly, I feel like I need to sleep, I have to just do it. Yeah. So. Is, yeah, trying to fight it is is very hard. So can you explain, and I love um, block scheduling. Um, I need to actually get back into a better, <laughs> it, was like, it was great, it was working awesome for a while, and then um, now it's like, yeah, it's blocked out something somewhat-ish. So can yeah. you explain for those that, uh, that are not familiar with block scheduling, how, um, like the process, and then how you made it fit into your life? Yeah, because it is a process and it's different for everybody. Um, so I think an old theory, I guess, of productivity and, you know, I don't know, maybe like 1990s, this is how old it was, is multitasking. Everything was about multitasking. And, um, you know, we were going to do 12 things at once. Um, that apparently was proven um, with studies to be actually less productive. Yes. That you might feel like you're doing more, but you're actually not. Um, and I, I haven't read, but like I said, not only 
are you not getting as much done? But, but I feel like mentally it just drives you insane to try to have to think about that many things. Yeah, I remember brain. reading somewhere, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, it was a study that said those who think that multi, they, they did a, a, a group of people who can multitask and how much, um, I guess, how much focus they had on their on the, the multiple things that they were doing and, and their productivity levels versus someone who was like on um, a drug. And they're like, so this person who's like on drugs has more focus than the person who is <laughs> like not that's under the substance. And I'm like, ooh, that's really Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so then like the joke was, I think I was listening to something and they're like, so like I should be on drugs then. They're like, no, that's yeah. not the <laughs> that's not the thing. It's like that just cut it out because as much as you think that you're being very productive and very focused and able to get the task done at hand, you're really not giving it your all you've had better focus if you were actually on the substance and trying to do the same thing. Like it's like, that's you crazy. Harder than the person that's high on weed, but really that person high on weed is doing better than you are. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. So there are different ways to do it. One, have you ever heard, heard of the Pomodoro method or Pomodora? Yeah, I have, but I never um, dove deep in it. So if you can yeah. explain it to me, yeah. So that one, um, I believe it's breaking tasks into 45 minutes, but I'm not totally sure. There's okay. a set okay. period of time, and you actually set timers. You focus on that, and, and, and it helps people maybe with ADD because you realize, I'm going to get a break in 45 minutes. This isn't going to go on forever. I can handle 45 or even 15, whatever it is. Um, you focus for that time. When the alarm goes off, I think you take a break, and that's a short break, and then you do another 45 minutes. So that breaks it up that way. Um, block scheduling, a, a different methods are that, um, like for coaching, we, you and I got this with, um, from Health Coach Institute, is they suggested to devote certain days to you know, client day, um, website, or, you know, or tech day maybe, networking day, um, marketing day. So that's one way that did not work for me. I tried that for a while and I, and I just realized right now describing it, I think that still was like, it, first of all, I couldn't meet with my clients all on one day. I exactly. That, so. that didn't work for me. I, I, I kind of felt like a somewhat like a failure because I'm like, I can't, I, I can't get all my clients on this day. So I felt like I was doing something wrong no. and really it was just the fact that it just didn't you know my clients no Tuesdays don't work for them all the time <laughs> no right or even like consultation calls like I needed to be more open than just allowing that for a certain block of time so yeah, yeah so that didn't work and plus like say one day is study day I'd still be pinging back pinging oh I want to listen to this video and I want to read that like I still was pinging all over the place so now I have, I have sort of, actually, this is another model of block scheduling is knowing your own best um, alertness times. So some people that are more morning people or people that maybe are more night people, night owl people, your alertness and your focus is different at different points in the day. And maybe there's points in the day that you are naturally more creative and there are points in the day that you're like, you know, product, production, production, you know, stuff like that. So I realized that flow that um, there's, there's that I'm going to hit up against a deadline that I need to leave the house. So I can't get involved in something like writing a blog post, for example, that I, I 
I don't want to have in the back of my mind, you're going to have to stop in, in 20 minutes. You're going to have to stop. Like it doesn't allow me to focus on that well, but there are some things I can do in the morning, like make graphics on Canva that are just sort of like, oh, I can play on Canva for, you know, this period of time before I have to leave for work. And it's actually sort of relaxing, but I'm also getting something done. So I yes. hope that I'm, you're following that and it's making sense. Yes. But then in the evening, like after work, so I'm not working full time at my other job, but when I do get done with that job and I have a huge block of time, that feels like this big wide open space. And so that's when I do the more difficult, lengthy, um, you know, with clients in between, but then that's nice because they're blocked off, you know, or a call is blocked off. But then I know like I have a very wide open space to do things that are tough that are difficult, um, you know, whether it is writing or, um, you know, working on um, a website or things like that that take me a lot of focus and concentration. Um, so, yeah, that's how I do it. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, because, again, my I felt like I was trying to put myself into a box that just didn't seem like it no. worked. And, um, but I do block off and I have, cause my husband's always looking at it cause I have everything all color coordinated. Like when I actually have clients and everything else, yep. and he's like, what is this? And I'm like, that's social media time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yes. what? I'm like, that means that like, at least I give mm -hmm. myself that time. I'm like, this is the time in which I'm either working on social media. Mm -hmm. Social media could be anything from sending out that email, like any kind of communication ish. Mm -hmm whether it's taking a video or posting a photo, taking a photo, whatever it may be, that's my, that's my time to do that. And then of course I'm going back to um, getting other certifications. So I have my school time where I yep. lock it off and make sure that mm -hmm. nothing else gets done during those times. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise I will have a tendency to book something during the time that I need to yeah. be. Yeah. It's very um, helpful. Do you do it on paper? Do you like to do the electronic, like on, um, I do it on paper. Do you too? When you're talking about the colors. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do both. I have mine on. Um, I've been out. I've always been a paper person, but mm -hmm. I do write something about physically writing it on the paper makes yeah. it in stone. But I also have it on my Google to, um, too, because if someone is asking me a question, my, my planner is pretty big. Um, so I'm not carrying it around all the time. So if someone is asking me a question, I used to go before like, oh, I have to get back to you about that. And then mm -hmm. by the time I get to my plan, I'll forget what the heck, like all the details of it. I'm like, oh, what was that again? So now I actually have it on my phone too. So I can actually look down and plug it in and then I go back and plug it into the other thing. It's just yeah. made a little bit easier so I'm not like driving 20 minutes to like look at my calendar I know yeah. you know in like a half an hour yeah yep yeah and plus the google calendar on your phone will remind you of things yeah so that's nice yes. it did not remind me of something earlier today like a doctor's uh. appointment <laughs> it's uh. supposed to <laughs> I did uh -huh. not do that which uh was very upsetting because I got knee deep in as you were talking about like updating some stuff on my website and I looked at the time and I was like oh crap like, yeah. Um, yeah. It did not remind me about that. I was not too mm -hmm. happy about that. Um, so, uh, what is a piece of advice that you would give someone who is an emotional eater and they would mm -hmm. like to improve their health? Because this is not my area of expertise. Like when I have clients that are talking about emotional or um, people I come up with and they talk about emotional eating, I'm like, uh, I've never <laughs> been an emotional eater, so I don't know how to respond to that. I've been the opposite, mm -hmm. where I don't eat when I'm 
when I'm um, dealing with a lot of stress and emotions, like food doesn't have any flavor to me. So I'm curious on how, how do you help them? Okay. Well, the two biggest things, first is mindfulness. Um, I think that we, I think no matter whether it's food you turn to or what, most of us, when we're in a highly stressful or emotional situation, almost like go like zone out or go into like um, unconscious almost. Like, so whether we're lashing out with words, whether we're, you know, slamming doors, whether we're going to shop to numb it out, whether we're eating, whatever it is, we just, we just sort of almost leave our own presence. You know, it, it's so overpowering depending on how stressful and emotional it is. So mindfulness is, is that thing of, of grounding yourself back in yourself and pausing and realizing you have the ability to stop and observe and think about options more presently and more, you know, more more presently, more aware, more, more mindfully. So that takes time, which is the second part of this, which um, I, you know, I know that we learned about in school too, is, is understanding the way your brain works. And, um, you know, as we learned about like the, the limbic system and the, the critter brain and all that kind of stuff. So educating people to understand their own brains and their own minds this is just a mechanism going on, that there's nothing weak or inferior about them at all, um, how habits form and that this has become a go-to habit. It's just the easy button. It's just yeah. what your brain starts queuing up. Do this. That'll make you feel better. And um, so as we talked about, even in terms of people thinking um, that they have to follow a plan to a T and trying to retrain people to get away from diet mentality and perfection and fear. The same thing goes with this is it's a process. It takes a lot of time to introduce the ideas to, to even have them, you know, stick and um, then to practice. I give people different practices to use to help them when they're in the situation instead of eating and, and different mindfulness meditations so that they get their body more often into a state of calm and relaxation and, um, and mindful awareness, becoming the observer of yourself. Um, if you're practicing that as a whole throughout the day when you're not emotional, it's easier than to do it when you are emotional. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that, so I would recommend to anyone, um, definitely read up about, you know, mindfulness. There's, there's a lot of different approaches to it. Some are very spiritual. Some are, um, you know, are very scientific. There's a lot of scientific research to this now. Olympic, Olympic athletes use mindfulness and visualization at works. So um, I would definitely research it and, and look for something about an approach to it that resonates and that sort of seems to speak to you um, and get one of the apps on your phone. There are several different meditation and mindfulness apps um, and they, because they all do approach it differently, I've, I usually recommend people try, there's a free version of all of these, and then you can start getting a paid version with tons more, um, mindfulness activities to them once you see which one you like. But the, um, insight timer is one, headspace is one, calm is one, abide is another one. And those would just be huge recommendation to 
try that and um, pick a time of the day. Again, as I talked about, even with block scheduling, we all have sort of different rhythms to ourselves. So see, usually it would be morning or, or evening um, that you can block out a time, even five minutes and start practicing this. Mm. And um, that would be that. And then it starts to change your brain. So the mindfulness part about it and the neuroscience and the neuroplasticity part of changing a habit all work together and are a beautiful thing. Yes, they definitely are. Mm-hmm. They definitely are. It's, it's kind of funny when I talk to my clients and we're, we're talking about you know, like mindfulness and stuff like that, like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, oh, it's got, <laughs> it has yeah. a lot to do with everything. And, mm-hmm. and having that practice, even if it's, I had to get out of the regimen of um, going to my meditation spot at all the time in the morning to meditate and allow myself to also just lay, lie in bed and be yeah. able to do that where I was like pretty much like I could only meditate if I'm here. And I'm like, well, who says that? Or I could only meditate at these times of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I, I would struggle when someone was trying to lead me through a meditation like midday, like my mind doesn't work that way. And as this, the stories that we tell ourselves. Yes. Um, I, I remember one thing, and I don't know if this is something that you tell your clients, but one of my um, friends had told me this and it made a lot of sense is that if you, if you want to be, a certain way. So if you if you want to create a new habit, you have to start living it as if it is now. So when someone was saying that they, they wanted to lose a lot of weight, but she didn't want to be that girl that had to bring a salad to the office functions. And her coach came back to her and said, you're going to have to be that girl because the girl who wants to live this healthy lifestyle, she's the one that's going to make those choices and say that I know that the things that are at the family at the potluck or the barbecue is not healthy. So I'm going to have to bring something that I can actually consume. Um, So same thing. If you want to change your career, if you want to do anything, you have to start living in that moment now and you cannot be fearful of, well, what is other people going to think about it? Mm -hmm. You know, the the stigma, you have to start changing your your mindset really. And then everything else kind of falls into place. Well, and I think that's the thing that, that because mindfulness does conjure up a lot of different and, and because there are so many different approaches to it. I think that what it does, if it's, if it is not all out there with spirituality and woo woo and, and all mysticism and all that, because of the fact, like I said, that it is rooted in neuroscience, our society is so full of constant stimulation and distraction with all of the notifications and the dings and the buzzes and the visual and the audio, you know, whether you're listening to a podcast or watching something on TV or there's just always something running in our eyes and our ears. And we don't stop enough to even, you know, pay attention a lot of times to what we're doing or what we're telling ourselves and then, you know, what we're believing. So just like you said, we aren't even, we're just, the, the person who doesn't think they can be the, the, the girl to bring the salad to um, probably didn't, had never stopped long enough to like really ask yourself, why, why not? You know, and really explore that. And that's sort of what mindfulness starts to open that door up. Get yeah. curious about why does that bother you so much? What exactly does it mean? And even, are there any other options? Like, is there anything else you can do besides we just don't stop enough so that's part of what mindfulness like you said it all it all does seem to really come back to mindset so much of it and when you don't stop long enough to investigate your own mindset or try to change it 
it, you just keep running up against the same result over and over again, whether it's an eating disorder or weight gain or not being motivated. It's, it comes from mindset. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, that's awesome. Um, I love that. And I love the fact that you <clears throat> share some of the apps that you like. Are there any books or any other resources that you would recommend someone to read about when it, whether it comes to mindfulness as it, it seems like that seems to be a really great technique in regards to not only dealing with stresses, but also with emotional eating. Are there any resources, podcasts, anything else that you would recommend for that? You know, that's a really good question with the mindfulness. I think for the most part, I have used the apps. I have not heard anything about it on, um, podcasts on well two actually did just come to my mind i know youtube i see different people with this this approach um one is tom bilyeu of impact theory um mm. his whole thing is about having a growth mindset not a fixed mindset and mindfulness is you know just a huge thing behind that so most of his work is interviewing other people and it's not like the point of it is mindfulness but it always comes back to you know what are you thinking and how how when you challenge that do you sudden are you suddenly able to become a person you never dreamed possible. Um, that's one. And then Rich Roll is another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, and he has meditations available that he, I believe it's, it may be an opt-in or it may be something he sells. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I know. Um, it's funny. I, I know a ritual, not from mindfulness, but from um, the triathlete community because my yes. husband is a triathlete. Yep. So I always hear about um, about him through through that, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, Rich Roll!" Like all all the triathletes, I love him. Like idolize him. So I'm like, that's the only reason why I know. Him. Isn't that fun? And my husband's an ultra runner, and Rich Roll has run ultra marathons right. too. So that's exactly it. At first, it was just knowing him from that, and his story is interesting. But his wife is actually a very spiritually minded. Um, I, I believe she does yoga and different things like that. So she does. She uses more of that side of it, but it, as I listen to his podcast, it, he does, again, just in the course of conversations with very interesting people who have changed their lives in amazing ways, it is because of mindset, and he does talk about meditation and things like that in there. But no, I haven't, other than the apps, I have not read or done any kind of like sort of official reading on it or training. Okay, cool. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, so Debbie, if they are interested in finding a little bit more about you, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Well, you can Breakthrough Wellness Coaching is the name of my coaching company. So I, that's the name of the website. And also there is a Facebook page. Okay. So you are welcome to go to either of those and click on the contact me there. And there's also a private um, Facebook group, Breakthrough Wellness Coaching Group, that is not for clients. It's just for people wanting the basic information um, about how to help these issues. And you're welcome to apply to join to that. Awesome. Great. I will put all those links into the show notes and thank you again so much thank for you. Out and talking about your journey 
Um, we have a lot of similarities. It's really, yes. <laughs> even when it comes to the husbands, like <laughs> we, we both have like these ultra like athletic people <laughs> that we're married to. Interesting, huh? We're we obviously are a type. We don't know about. We're a type. Yes, like we have to like do, do some <laughs> my, mindset type um, um, questionnaires to figure out what's going on. So that's cool. Thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your day. And again, everyone, I will have all of those links to her. Um, her uh, Pinterest, I think you sent me Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and your website. So there's lots of different ways to get in contact with Debbie. If you, anyone out there is um, battling with some emotional eating, definitely reach out to Debbie. That is not my specialty, which is <laughs> why I have her on there. Um, so for all of you that are like, yeah, hey, Stephanie, I want to work with you, but that, but your emotional eater, Debbie's your person, <laughs> not me. So definitely reach out to her. Um, and again, uh, maybe we'll have you back again for another episode. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Love Your Life podcast. All information and links for this podcast can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode and want to continue the conversation, you can email me at info at fitnesswellnesslife.com. And for more information to living a life you love, follow me on Instagram at FWL underscore Steph and on Facebook at Fitness Wellness Life. As always, you can schedule a free 30-minute call with me by going to www.fitnesswellnesslife.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in next week for another inspiring episode. Don't forget to like, comment, and follow our sponsors, Scribed, unlimited audio and ebooks for $8.99 a month, and Rocky's Natural Body Products. Use the link in the show notes to sign up.